Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk <laughs> man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Bowl season is upon us. Got a while to go until the All-State Sugar Bowl. January 1st, Texas taking on Georgia, but guys, we got games this weekend. You guys fired up for the New Mexico Bowl or the Cure Bowl or the mm. Mitsubishi Motors Las Vegas Bowl? Ooh, Las Vegas Bowl. Well, the Camellia Bowl. The Camellia Bowl? That's a new New one. Orleans Bowl this weekend. New Orleans Bowl. I like that. App State, mm-hmm. Middle Tennessee State. I might try to watch some of that. App State. <laughs> Football junkie. Uh, and you wonder why these kids are skipping bowls. <laughs> Do you want to go to a bowl game you in wanna, Mexico? Nothing says destination game like Montgomery, Alabama. Right, exactly. <laughs> why is that guy skipping a bowl game? He's ungrateful. It's like, no, he doesn't want to go to Birmingham, Alabama. Hey, Al- <laughs> Albuquerque's a fine town, right? Uh, I actually heard good things about Albuquerque. This is true. No, I'm not joking. I actually have. Heard. I have, too. Yeah. Yeah. Been there once. Did you really? Yeah. When, How, did uh, you actually have, like, vacation time and hang out? No, I went there for work. Uh, I went to watch Zach Gentry when he was a Texas quarterback commit. How about that? Man, talking about the uh, blast from the past. (laughs) Your lone trip to New Mexico. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. By the way, quick vacation tip for anybody going to New Mexico. By the way, you can tell this is how we're in some downtime when when we can riff on Mm -hmm. things like this. There you go. Uh, Mm -hmm. Roswell, biggest ripoff ever. (laughs) Oh, I I definitely would get ripped off then because I want to go. I would, yeah, I'm a, I was like, so, uh, where, where, where can I get to the site? Oh, you can't actually get to it. I'm like, what? Yeah, you can just get around it. I'm like, yeah, you can get like a couple miles from it. I'm yeah. like, because it's still what? government property. I was like, well, government- why, why am I here then? Yeah, it's still, go- and I believe it's still restricted airspace. Like, I still believe, I like, believe you can't it, fly really? over it either, which is crazy. It's like, well, I, I thought nothing's nothing going happened. on there, but hey, it's something going on. I love it. I love Not many like. new ideas out in Roswell. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, this is Longhorn Blitz, believe it or not. I am Jeff Howe. We are going to talk Longhorn football. We'll do it with the rest of our illustrious team here on the show. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, Matt Butler. Matt, we had a nice little Texas basketball conversation. Yeah, Ooh, had a brief one. In here. Yeah. Well, we, you know what? That was an awkward Was it an awkward conversation. Are we talking about positive vibes or <laughs> negative uh, vibes? You being critical? Just or kind being... of a 30,000 foot view of things. Okay. Yeah, and then mine was more of haven't thought about college basketball, so took a look at the Big 12. And again, it's tough. It was like eight, Texas is the eighth best team in the conference, but about top 35 in the nation. So it's going to be a tough road. Yeah. Yeah, the Big 12 is just brutal. Well, man. and we were we talking so about good teams in the Big 12. Man. This one Texas team, though, it's sort of the way we talked about football the last two years that it's just consistently inconsistent, which is an exact sign of being a team that is talented but not very good yet, but can beat anybody, but can also lose to anybody. But offensive but, identity issues. So when well. you're inside basically the Big 12, you got a lot of matchups, but it's just like, all right, well, hopefully you get those good games on those good days. Yeah, they are very athletic. A man who knows how to navigate the Big 12 because he did it for four years as a member of the Texas Longhorns. A different Big 12 than the one we see right now. The original Big 12. 
if you will. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats in the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, into 40 acres where he earned his degree. When his team ring comes in, he will wear it proudly. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU, number 21 in your program, but number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Baberson. Thanks for the intro, brother. Rod, Always. I want to take a just step back for a minute and, and just take kind of take stock of where this program is, this mm. Texas program is right now. Before we get into talking about the Sugar Bowl, when you look at where the Longhorns sit, 9-4 and four on the season, they get to the Big 12 championship game, nine wins in the regular season, the most this program has had since 2009. You look at the rankings, they're a consensus top 15 team in the country. I believe I've got to make sure my number's right. I believe that's 20 years, only nine times has Texas gone into bowl season, ranked consensusly in the top 15 in the country, and that's including being ranked number 15 in the college football playoff rankings, the last edition of those. So when you look at the big picture, this definitely seems like a program that's finally on an upward trajectory. Agreed. No question about it. Um, well, I think the quarterback, um, the quarterback issue, which was plaguing Texas for so many years post Cole McCoy, now that has been remedied. Everybody agrees, even those uh, the Shane Bouchel truthers who were out there before the season started, even they are now saying, okay, Sam Ellinger's the guy. Texas knows they have one of the best young quarterbacks, not only in the conference but in the country. So yeah. that's where Texas. That's that's the you know if you look at the. Kind of the commonalities of the great runs Texas has made in recent history. It's always been associated with a really good young quarterback, and now they have that. That's the first building block, and now everything else, I think Tom Herman can start to try to build that pro-spread offense. And we've talked about this. You and I, Jeff, broke it down. and uh, Matt, we broke it down as well, that this is not the offense that Tom Herman really uh, wants ideally. Like, this is not it. Right now he's just – you know, putting different pieces together. You can't be with the one you love, so love the one you're with. So this is not exactly how his pro spread is supposed to look. But what I love about Tom Herman this year was he was able to adapt. You know, he wasn't stubborn. He was like, all right, you know what? I got a 6'4", low Jordan Humphrey in the slot. Okay, I got a 6'6", Colin Johnson on the outside. Mm. All right, you know what? Th- those are going to be my guys. I got a quarterback that in the red zone is basically a fullback slash quarterback. He becomes Tim Tebow in the red zone. He's the most – uh, lethal red zone weapon in the country, arguably at quarterback. I mean, honestly, that's the truth. Yeah. I've watched mm-hmm. college Well, I was going to say that was you, you yeah. kind of stole my thunder because quarterback was where I was going to go with that. And, and yeah. to me, that's the young Tebow. If you if you look at nothing else, yeah, it's just yeah. Well, it, it, I would say low budget. It's not he's not totally Tebow, well, but I'm just saying, Sam, he may be surprising because we're how young he is. We don't realize it because um, you know Tebow is yeah. still a mo- I don't just disrespect a, Tebow. That's my point. Tebow, being high, high greatness, you know? and he, he, no disrespect to Tebow, but even look at the way he was used as a freshman, he wasn't a Full quarterback, so the experience level, the, just to see the growth from Sam has been impressive. And then, like how you said, if you're going to build an off, basically, if you're going to have any success in the modern game, that first building block has to be a, a quarterback. And that was the problem Texas didn't have for so long. So think about you were playing at the ultimate disadvantage because yep. it was almost like a rigged game. It was like, well, if you don't yeah. have a quarterback, it don't matter how it good you are. Good you are. aren't going to ever get there. So the yeah. idea that 
Herman identified what is needed. The main problem. Gets it in there, implements yeah. it, and then even showed this year some urgency, <clears throat> which is actually proactive, even though it is a little bit reactive to the fan base. But the discontent with the offense and to see how much you could tell he put took total responsibility for this offense and really took over a larger role, it seemed, within the offense did Herman. So having that urgency this year and understanding that, no, I can't screw this up, and you have a quarterback developing, if I screw that up, it's going to really hurt the future. So it's all good to see all those things aligning with him. Yeah. Sam Ellinger rushes for two touchdowns against Georgia. He will set the school record for rushing touchdowns in a season Was he about by a quarterback. He's, or a, he's a 13 he's right 13. now. Uh, Vince Young, uh, and I forget who he's tied with. Have the record of fourteen. Matter. That is freaky, actually. Yeah, and right. he did it so. Yeah, it just it just didn't seem like week after week that he was accumulating that many rushing touchdowns because Vince they were so spectacular. The way right. Tebow, but like, that's I don't how Tebow. I don't did. think any of. I think there's actually lo- Sam's longest touchdown run was last in week, the Big right? Championship the, game, the sixteen, the 16 yard, yard run. Yeah, yeah the longest run he's at. So they've all been in the red Goal zone, back. pounding it. Yeah, bam, bam, Sam. It was the only one from outside the ten yard line. <laughs> Everything else had been ten yard, ten yards and in for and him. He's literally your goal line back. But um, yeah. the the most positive and give Tom props for recognizing it and well, not okay. being afraid right. to put your quarterback. Yeah. Well, that's what I was to say. True or false? He's the best power running quarterback in college football right now. Probably. Yeah. I haven't uh, went through the Rolodex, I, yeah, but I, mean, I can't I think I of go one. Right top of my dome. That's why I think he's the best red zone weapon. Yeah, I'm with Unless you. Unless, like, I, Navy's option guy's really yeah, so good. Saying, got, <laughs> there, there's definitely got to be one or two well, yeah, guys you're right. that we're just not thinking about. But but are they, are they a, a skilled passer like Sam? Because Sam's red zone passer rating, I believe, is top five in the country, too. Or at least it was before the Big 12 title. Because I would he rate. He considers himself a total package. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nice of us to get a Nordco reference here well early done. in the show. Uh, I would rate drop. Sam Ellinger as a better passer than a guy like Nick Fitzgerald at Mississippi State. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah, yeah, he's a exactly. So he can do both. And I mean, he does have six six and six four out there. True. Hey, that's the thing about it. Texas doesn't even utilize their six six rod receiver and their six four slot wide receiver in the red zone that much. Because they haven't really had to. Exactly. <laughs> that's how good the red zone. You want people like, oh, you know, we're fading to one of those guys at least, you know, uh, every three downs we're in the red zone. Like, no, they don't need them. That's how effective Sam. Think about that. Think about the six, recipe, six? though, in the Big 12. We talk about how the field shrinks it inside does. the 20. So yeah. if you can have a guy that can spread you, throw it around to get you down there, oh, and then he is that key and extra piece that becomes yeah. the goal line back. So then when these other offenses are bogged down in the it's red crazy. zone, you have the guy that's already your default, you know, if the play goes bad on a pass play, he can run, or he already has the ball in his hand with the added plus one blocker and is a goal line back. So, like, that is literally part of a formula if you were to go and connect. Okay, well, what's the one deficiency of these big-time spread offenses that can move the ball within the 20s? Oh, well, you can't do the same thing in the red zone. Oh, well, our quarterback is as good as any goal line back in the red zone. Well, historically... Some of the pro spread, but you go look at his tree. Urban Myers always had that mm-hmm. in the red zone. Even at Ohio State, though, when they had Cordell no, Jones, go, go back to Alex Smith at Utah. Yeah, exactly. He's always got a guy that in the red zone. Like, no, 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 this guy can it's go. It's engineered. Get it done. Um, so I, but I, I, I give Tom Herman props for this, and you know, obviously Sam, I think, is a major piece. So when he fixed the the, the quarterback hell that Texas was in. I think everything else was easily falling into place. But we talked about the offensive identity crisis Texas had been dealing with and how many different um, you know facets of it that had to be addressed. Tight end position, the offensive line, running back, uh, you know, obviously quarterback. And yet, honestly, I think all of those positions are having resur- you know, I mean, a, re- a resurgence. Like all of those positions are being revitalized. 
tight end having the best uh, year in terms of production that we've seen what since your Michael Finley was on the four acres. And hell, the truth is, Andrew Beck ain't even a tight end. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's kind of fitting. With the he's basically a fullback slash H-back. He ain't a tight end, but they're using him in that regard. So I, I'll give Tom Herman props. Aaron I Hernandez. do think he, he, he found a way to fix the Texas offensive identity crisis, and I think it was mainly because he fixed the quarterback conundrum Texas was dealing with. Uh, check this out, Rod. You talk about the Urban Meyer pro-spread quarterbacks and how Sam Ellinger kind of fits oh, that man. mold. Um, I was thinking about it, man. I, was, I remember Urban Meyer had a guy at Bowling Green. It was Josh Harris at Bowling Green. Hmm, and check out good. check out these numbers. The last year Josh Harris was Urban Meyer at Bowling Green, passing 2,425 yards and 19 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, 737 rushing yards, 20 touchdowns. Damn. Yeah. 20 rushing TDs. So, you know, if Urban Meyer had Sam Ellinger, That's I mean, he could do the same, right do the same thing Tom Herman's doing with him right now. Yeah. yeah I agree. It's your power spread, pro spread quarterback. And when you take stock of the season to tie the Sam Ellinger conversation together, you know, when we go back to our preseason conversations, we were saying, okay, if you get a certain level of play from Sam Ellinger, you'll have a chance to win nine or ten games. They got that level of play from Sam Ellinger. That, Rod, to me, is going to be the most positive thing to come out of this season no is – you got quarterback figured out. Yep. And now that you've got it figured out with a guy who you trust, who you know can do make enough plays to consistently win you football games. Got some that got the clutch gene. We saw that a lot this year. That to me is the thing, yeah. Link. With Sam Ellinger, felt like Texas was never out of a game with this offense, with him leading this offense. And he turned out to be a good game manager when he had to be. Exactly. Taking care of the football. That's the Big 12 record for uh, you know pass attempts without interception. So, yeah, it's almost – I could, honestly, I couldn't have predicted his uh, development would be no this way. accelerated. No way. I thought he'd improve, but hell, at this point, we're talking about a guy next year. We're going to be having the Heisman conversation. He'll about be in there in the preseason. Absolutely, no question about it. Um, so you take stock of all of that, and you look at what Sam Ellinger brought to the table. Now you start looking at the depth chart. You got Cameron Rising who redshirted. You were able to redshirt Casey Thompson. We'll see what Shane Bouchelle does. He's going to have the option to graduate transfer. He's earned that right. He's out. Uh, you've got Roshan Johnson coming to the program. Rod, for the first time in a long time, and, a re- and even because we talked about the Vince Young year, like you realize had VY gotten hurt at some point during 2005, like you had Nordco and that was it, <laughs> or a true Not freshman Colt package. McCoy. Those were your mm-hmm. options. For the first time, really, Rod, probably since you were on the 40 Acres. Yeah. Texas is operating from a position of strength at the quarterback position. Yeah. Um, I think I forgot the number that I used to keep throwing out there. I want to say prior to this recruiting class that will be coming in now that Texas has, what, signed like 18 quarterbacks since 2000? A lot. Maybe it's uh, – yeah, I think it's – I think the number was 18 since maybe it's 2006 is Something the like that. They're 17. It's 18 I remember you since 2006, it. and four of them, of course, are still on campus – but out of those other 14, only two of them finished their eligibility at the quarterback position on the, at the University of Texas. The rest of you transferred, changed positions or whatever. So that quarterback instability, it was just plaguing. To, and you're right, we were actually teetering on the brink of it. Uh, for I mean a long time, even with Vince Young, as you just pointed out. But you know we didn't really worry about that. It was like when we got Vince Franklin Young, even with Colt, and even with Colt, you were right there, kind of teetering on the brink of it. It's like ah, we were alright. That just bit you at the worst inopportune time. Yeah. So and then of course it obviously shows its face when you play in a national title game against Alabama. So yeah, I'll give you props because he keeps bringing in quarterback. He wants that quarterback room to have four scholarship quarterbacks all the time. That seems to be his plan. And right, more quarterbacks Johnson's coming in next been. year. Yeah, because he knows one and or two of them. And then Shane Bouchard's going to leave. He's like, I'll have another. I think he's going to recruit two 
Yeah. We've got Hudson Card in 2020. Got Hudson Card in 2020. He yeah. may recruit another one, man, randomly. Because he may fear that Cameron Rising or one of those other guys. Casey Thompson. Casey Thompson like may that. decide, hey, I'm out. You know what I mean? Dude, I, that's why I love his approach to quarterback. Yeah, and it you couldn't be better. Too many quarterbacks, ex- especially right now when we're in this era where Transfers. you just have a pro, but also a yeah. proliferation, just more quarterback prospects than ever before. Yeah. There's never been enough to keep in state. Like if you look at the NFL right now, they're all backups. TCU's quarterback transfer. So point Sean being Robinson's that now this, you have more to recruit than ever. Back in the day, it sort of seemed as if you had your one, and it'd be nice to have a good backup quarterback. But that was a luxury that really just didn't exist because you didn't have these kids coming in and being allowed or playing so effective so quickly so now it just makes sense to just get as many as you can because that's the one thing you cannot have is that glaring hole between one and two or two and three well it's just getting tougher too because now the guy the transfer market when you exactly. see stories like baker mayfield and kyla murray and will greer by the way too yeah you say well hell those guys can transfer and still end up being really really successful winning heisman trophies being first round picks so in addition to there being mm-hmm. more quarterbacks out there i think now guys who are backups are going nope I'm better. I'm going to transfer. I'm leaving. So it's harder to have that viable backup. You almost have to keep replenishing your backup role and assuming, assuming that every quarterback who is not playing wants out. Assume every quarterback who is not your starting quarterback wants to leave. That's how you approach recruiting now. And that, and, that, and that includes the transfer market, too. And the grad transfer. And the grad transfer market. Because <laughs> you can markets. get them to play immediately. No doubt. And then since y'all brought up, you know, we were talking about just the use of Urban Meyer's quarterbacks, and then we talked about Tebow and Sam. I just wanted to pull up, because the sophomore year of Tebow was whenever he had his great first mm-hmm. Heisman year. It's weird how similar these are. But you look at Tebow's numbers, 234-350 for 32-86, 32 touchdowns, 6 picks. Sam this year had 31-27 throwing, 25 touchdowns five picks and you're talking about 66 percent completion to 64 slight favor to tebow but we're talking 100 yards off and about the same td to interception ratio five to one it's just sam had 25 yeah. to 15 thing was his rushing you had t- sam if you adjusted i have sam's adjusted yards but 119 for 602 tebow ran 210 for 895 so ran a little bit more but per yards was more to sam too so if you look at it it's very similar the way those two seasons went for those yeah. two and tebow won the heisman that year that's true good point so we have Kyler Murray in the same conference. <laughs> <laughs> so when you look at this offense, though, let's just look at this team. What else, Rodder, aside from Sam Ellinger, take Sam Ellinger out of the conversation. We've okay. already covered him. What else are you feeling really good about when you talk about the future of this program? Uh, ooh, that's a good question. Well, I'll say that when I look at the future of the program, I, I do feel really good about – I think the wide receiver position, if you're talking about the offense, I think it could continue to be a strength. Now, this is – hoping that at least one of those studs, Colin Johnson, Lodron Humphrey, will stay and not go. If they both stay, good Lord. Good Lord Almighty. That'd be crazy. I mean, they, if they both stay, think about your offense next year with a, you know, a, a Keontae Ingram that's now been in the you know, strength and conditioning program for an offseason. You know, they have to do some things on the O-line. I think that would be the, my biggest concern going forward. But I love the way they attack the graduate transfer market. So I think they'll get in a couple of graduate transfers for the O-line. They got some guys they've been grooming in the pipeline. But I love Herb Hand going forward, too. He's yeah. also one of my favorite things. So I'm, 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 I'm concerned about the depth on the O-line, as you point out, talented depth. But I do trust Herb Hand so much uh, from what he did in his first season and his background, his resume. So man, I, I, going forward, you know, like I said, it's a big if if both of those guys stay. Because I think at least Lil Jordan Humphrey may decide to leave. Hell, Lil Jordan Humphrey or Colin Johnson go out there and light up the Jim Thorpe Award winner and DeAndre Baker. Uh, they might decide they're chucking the deuce right after that game because yeah. NFL scouts are going to be drooling over those guys if that's the case. 
But, man, there's a chance for this offense to be really special. You brought up Sam's numbers, compare him to Tebow. You bring back what is one of the best wide-receiving duos in the country, uh, two uh, guys who are projected to be, I don't know, top three-round picks potentially, and then a Keontae Ingram, who I think is a young star in the making. Dude, you got some. I, and I, I love – this is what I really love. They haven't even unveiled it yet. They should for the bowl game. There's two tight ends you got just sitting back there. You talk about that pro spread. The link between the pro philosophy and the spread ideology is the tight end yep. position for Tom Herman. And he's got Cade Brew and Reese Latow, who are basically Cal Katera starter kits. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they yeah. are, you know, those guys you can put in the slide. You can put them on the flex. You can put them in the H-back. You can do so many different things with those guys. They make your offense so versatile. Ask Lincoln Riley because they always got one of those guys. Had Andrews what, last year. Got Cal Katera now. If you want to be a, you know, a multiple offense you got to have those guys that they bring the multiplicity. So, I, honestly, I'm really excited about the offense. Like I said, it, it, it depends on those wide receivers coming back. I wish I had some wood to knock on, but the truth is that offense, man, may be one of the best that we've seen in terms of the versatility and how many ways they can attack you uh, that we've seen at Texas since even since Vince was here. Because even the Colt McCoy offense, it wasn't as versatile as people would think. It pretty much was just Colts. Uh, elite ability as a passer yeah. with two really good wide receivers in 08. I mean, Chris Obanaya was really the, the the glue that held it all together. You know what I mean? Can I give you my early prediction oh, on what yeah. I think happens with this with this this NF these NFL decisions these guys have? Yeah, cause they definitely got some. I think Lil Jordan Humphrey leaves. I think Colin Johnson comes back. I think that's realistic. I'm I was just sitting there. I I'll be. I'll be honestly I'd be surprised if both come back. I'll be, I'll be shocked one. if both come back. I'll be yeah. floored if both are back. Yes, I'll be. I'd be shocked if both come back. I agree with Jeff. I think we get one, uh, and I don't care which one. I take either one I could get. But I'm with you right now because of the injuries to Colin Johnson. I think Lil Jordan Humphrey is more likely. He's had those spe- be at that game that he could showcase without Colin Johnson. Mm. And actually, he you would argue that's what kind of lifted him above Colin Johnson in a lot of people's eyes was that. He has the opportunity to go inside the, the Texas slot. Texas Tech game was probably his best game. Exactly. And then Colin Johnson didn't play in that game, right? Yeah. He, he was out. He was out. He was out that game. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yeah, so mm-hmm. I think that's the game that kind of lifted it. Because remember, for a while, they were basically battling it out. Like, it had, Colin would have a big game, and then Lil Jordan would have a big game. And then after that, I think Lil Jordan kind of hit a streak. And I think his confidence now is – he believes he can play in the NFL at the NFL level, and we all believe him too. I'm almost <laughs> with, yeah, yeah. With, with, with Lil Jordan Humphrey. He's I'm ready. almost where I was with Deshaun Elliott last year. And granted, LJ's not going to have the awards Deshaun Elliott had last year. Mm-hmm. He wasn't you know, up for the Blitnikoff Award. He wasn't on an All American team. Didn't even make either the second team or first team All Big yeah. Twelve for the coaches or the AP. But just in terms of, he's been so good this year, and. I, I thought the staff did a really good job, much better than last year, of figuring out how to use him. No question. Getting the most out of his skill set. That with him, Rod, he was so good this year. I think it's almost a situation where he's got to catch that lottery ticket and see what it pays out. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, where it comes basically down to their own personal preferences. But because both of them have proven that in, in the NF scouts yeah. are, can identify their talent, it's steps out to you so it comes down to one's a legacy kid and one's the quarterback's roommate so like there is this emotional attachment that both may have some type of incentive to stay at school but if we're talking just strictly business decision you're probably both leaving and then it just comes down to which one prefers certain situations for that last year because yeah I mean I've heard just so many people just going LJ Humphrey's probably one that escalated up the wide receiver charts more than anybody. He wasn't necessarily Agreed. on a national Agreed. perspective at the beginning of the year. So right now, if you look at just his, you know, where he his draft stock is, I don't see how it can really 
go up much higher if he were to come back, but maybe he wants to come back. And the same thing, Colin Johnson's just a freak. There's very few players in the entire NFL with the catch radius his size. I just look at Colin Johnson, Rod, and and I think part of his decision, and this isn't any inside information. I haven't talked to Mm -hmm. his dad or anybody. This is just my opinion kind of looking at it from the outside. To me, he's always struck me as kind of a legacy guy, and I think when he sits back in this in the next couple of weeks and looks at where he could get to in terms of statistically, he could leave here as one of the best receivers to ever set foot in this program. Yeah, you combine that with the fact that especially if if Kirk Johnson decides he wants to play another year, he could they could both finish at the same time. That's true, and I think too. And I don't know if Colin's bothered by this, but if knowing the competitor he is, I think it kind of fuels him a little bit. The fact that through three years he hasn't gotten so much as an honorable mention all Big Twelve. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, I mean that's that's that not his fault. To him. It's not his fault. No, I mean, but yeah, I really more about even, the conference yeah. and the culture. I mean, and I I've been throwing this stat out there too. I believe that Lou Jordan Humphreys, uh, eleven hundred nine receiving yards or whatever it is, I believe it is. It will it be second best in the SEC. It's fifth best in yeah. the Big Twelve. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's just that's the Big Twelve in a nutshell. I mean that. So it's, I agree with you. I think he, he may come back because just because he can't improve his stock. I agree with both of you guys. Lou Jordan Humphrey. It's, it's going to be hard for him to have a better year than he had this year. Yeah. And I know he can come back, and I love to have him returning kicks and that kind of stuff, but I think that's just showcasing his versatility. He's got NFL scouts drooling over you know, ways to use him, especially in a league that is now a little bit more accepting of a lot of the, uh, the college philosophy and a lot of the, uh, the hybrid offenses from the college game. So I, I do. I think, I think Lil Jordan Humphrey is more likely to leave. Colin Johnson still got, yeah, I mean, he's still got some work to do. He, honestly, and I, I think this is true, he could actually showcase – a little more versatility. I would like to see them use him in different ways um, instead of him just sitting on the outside. As a matter of fact, in this game, you could argue, and they did it in the Big 12 title game, strangely enough. They put him in a slot early on a ton. Uh, I think that's going to be the game plan going into the Georgia game. You know, you don't want to be wasting him out there against a DeAndre Baker, not to start on it too early, but a guy like Colin Johnson, I want to see them use him in the slot more. You move him around, put him at minus splits, flex, right out, like as, as a big uh, glorified tight end right outside the tackle. He can do that. Yeah. Like he's, a, he's one of the few uh, wide receivers that has that kind of body. They did that actually in the Big 12 title game a couple of times. So I want to see them use him in a more creative way. Lil Jordan Humphrey leaves, I think he'll give them the opportunity. When you look at the, let's flip over and look at the defense, because I, I agree with you on the offensive line. Uh, you know, it's still. It's going to take you another couple of recruiting cycles yeah. to really get that thing to where you need it to be. To if you're trying to compare talent with the Alabamas and the Clemsons and the Georgia. Georgias of the world, you're going to need a couple more recruiting cycles of recruiting elite talent. And I've got a story at, yeah. at Horns Twenty Four Seven that kind of details the the struggle, really the struggles this state has had producing high end offensive linemen over the last you know three or four years. Conference. And you know, I say that, you know, Greg Little's probably gonna be a top five pick in the draft and Walker Little's on his way to being that at Stanford. But the good linemen on both sides of the ball are not staying in the state of Texas. Mm-hmm. They're going to the SEC or the Pac twelve or uh wherever. So all that said, Rod, when I I agree with you on pretty much everything you said on the offense. I, I do think though one more point about the offense. I think this is a big offseason for Keontae Ingram because regardless of, mm-hmm. you know, you've got Darian Brown, uh, the running back out of Georgia, committed right now. You're still chasing Noah Kane, still chasing Trey Sanders. But whoever you bring in at running back, Keontae Ingram, it's pretty clear he's going to be your guy yeah. going into 2019. So this is a huge offseason for him to Agreed. to bulk up, to get with Yancey McKnight, to get himself ready for the, being the, the that workhorse yeah, running back. Exactly. To have to carry year. that load. 
Um, so if you flip it over to the defense, Rod, and when I look at you, know, we look at the all conference uh, awards, and you start looking at national awards, and Tom Herman kind of had a point when he talked about this team kind of overachieving a little bit. And you look, and there are no All Americans on offense. There are no, you know, you, your first and second team All Conference guys was like Zach Shackelford mm-hmm. and Andrew Beck on offense. Like yeah. that's not too. If you're yeah. ranking the top five or six best players on your offense, those two guys probably don't make the Andrew cut. Andrew Beck, I think, was first team. Yeah. As, is, a, as a fullback, <laughs> as, a, as a fullback, yeah, that's, that's a good point. Snug, <laughs> snug him in there as a fullback. Hey, he'll take it. He'll yeah, take. It. I'll take it too. Hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. He'll take it. That's the Big Twelve fullback is in each back. Yeah. But uh, so you go over the defense rod and you start seeing okay, Charles Amenahu, Big Twelve Defensive Lineman of the Year, mm-hmm. Caden Stearns, Big Twelve Defensive Freshman of the Year, Chris Boyd, first team by the coaches in the AP, Gary Johnson, second team by the coaches in the AP, which I felt he should have been first team, but I guess that's neither here nor there. I yeah. didn't get a vote, so we'll leave it at that. But Rod, you start looking at what this defense is going to lose, and it's kind of another year where you got to reload when you look at the defensive front. You lose yeah. your starting three defensive linemen. You lose both linebackers, both your starting inside linebackers. Um, but when I look at the defense, though, you're less experienced, but I think especially on your defensive line, probably going to be more talented than you were this year. Well, the defensive backfield was like that. This year, you know what I mean? Like, the ceiling might have been higher with all these young DBs. Oh, and you lose your two starting corners also, and you're going to lose your starting corners. So, I'll start there. I actually, and I'm really high on Anthony Cook. I think Anthony Cook, you know, is going is has a way higher ceiling than you know Devontae Davis did, and I don't know about higher ceiling than Chris Boyd, but I think he's on that kind of level. So I think they're going to be fine at one corner. the The corner opposite Anthony Cook, I do worry about. That's what I like. I'm not sure it's going to be Jalen. I don't know. They Jaylen I would guess Green it would be Jalen Green because Kobe Boyce, I think, is somebody they want to put there. But I, yeah, I, they got to find somebody there so that, that that doesn't become a liability for them in the Big Twelve. Like, Jalen Green's exactly what they want is a guy who's a just a beast press man. There you go. Which guy. and Anthony Cook is a technician. Anthony Cook is kind of like a DeAndre Baker, truth be told. Uh, I think except a more talented one. I think Baker was like a three star guy coming out of college, right? Something like that. He wasn't. Even, I, I don't know. I, I know I, Texas recruited him. Did they? Okay. Well, obviously you're the recruiting guru. My point being, I think that the secondary is going to be the strength next year for this team potentially because I think you have the best group of safeties probably in the country. I mean, I got to go look and mm-hmm. see if uh, Bama, of course, will probably have a group of safety that's really good. But when you good. bring in arguably the top three from last yeah, I mean, year. But then you got it, Brandon Jones, part of that, too. Hey, just He's add top back. three from any single class, and you're yes. going to have a great one. So that's what, and I, this is what I worry about because, and you pointed this out several times, Jeff, that, you know, Gary Johnson is like the prototypical Big 12 linebacker. He's almost perfect for the league. Mm-hmm. And. And they got to find another one of those guys. Yeah, you know what I mean. They got to find another guy that basically is a DB out there that like they can thump. And that's what Gary Johnson is, and he's he, he's going to fit. He's going to have a good chance to fit into the league really well too, because that's where the league's going. They just need mm-hmm. guys that can run and, and be good in space. So I think that's a concern for me finding a replacement for Gary Johnson. I'm with you. I like the D line because I like the versatility of the young Bucks. Yes, I like that Taquan Graham can play D tackle and go out and play D in too. You know what I mean? Like I think that well, Malcolm Roach even gives you Malcolm that. Roach gives you that. I like they they should. Oh, matter of fact, I would like to have three or four guys that can play D tackle and D line. I'm uh, sorry, D in on that D line. I think that'll help them next year, man. That's he, what they're going for, and, and yeah. that's the thing when you look at man, people are like, well, is Todd Orlando going to go to a four? No, he's a three four guy. He's a three down guy. Yeah. So no, people should stop asking if he's going to be a four-down guy. This is what they want to run until further notice that they're not going to change. But I think the personnel is going to be more uh, – it lends itself more to being a consistent three-down front when you've got 
Quan Graham at 280, and you're going to have Moro Ojimo at 285, 290, whatever he is. Roach, 270. Roach at 270 plus. And I would think, okay, you're no longer a linebacker. Let's just, you know. Let's be real about this. And I think they are. Yeah, Yeah. let's, you know, if you can play at 275 or whatever, then you're. Yeah, you're not LeVon Kirkland. That's not going to (laughs) happen. Those will never (laughs) exist again. (laughs) 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 Literally was. He was like listed at 295, I think. Dude, that's crazy. Anyway, I apologize. No, Continue. I was just thinking, like, that was when Steve Edmond was coming out of high school. That was, like, the one guy you compared to. Because, like, how many guys you see that big play linebacker? That's true. Well, LeVon Kirk was one of the few guys yeah. you could think of. That dude was a freak, man. Why, why, why are you a three-tech playing uh, 10 yards <laughs> off the ball, son? I don't know. But anyway, uh, but you, you talk about Gary Johnson, Rod. You've got one of those guys that you talk about uh, in DeMarion Overshown. Yeah, man. We, we think think he's going to be really good. And all indications are he's going to be really good. It's good just point. getting him caught up. And I'll tell you what, from a recruiting standpoint, and by the way, anybody looking for a good recruiting podcast, no interviews, please, with EJ Holland and Mike Roach at Horns Ooh. 24-7. That's our recruiting podcast. You can get them on anywhere you get your podcast apps. Um, but uh, Or any app you get your podcast on, I should say. Getting my words mixed up. But Caleb Johnson uh, out of Fullerton College, junior college linebacker. I saw, I think I saw a picture. 6'1", six, six, yeah. Todd Orlando, Tom Herman were in home with him this week. 6'1", so. 215. He's basically B.J. Foster. He's a thick B.J. Foster. Thing. And well, what Jeff just said, too, is so key, because when you were talking about Gary, I was like, well, and look where he got Gary. He was a JUCO transfer, mm-hmm. and that's the main thing. Linebacker's sort of like running back that you can have these type of guys end up there, and like if you're a guy like Herman, and you're having to fill holes, those are the type of holes where you can find an undersized, what is viewed to be a flaw, but yeah, in the modern right. game actually may fit exactly what you're doing. So Good it's point. awesome that he's already identified a guy that's in yeah. the JUCO that might be able to do that. And same way you did with Trey Watson at the running back position with the grad transfer. And it's like those areas where the Big 12 is sort of the niche that the undersized, flawed guy actually fits what you're doing. Yeah. So that would be big. And then y'all were talking about just you know, acquiring a roster that you can get to that level of Alabama and Georgia, and the main thing is is Texas, and we know it because we talk all about the bus rate and these cycles, and have not been able to see one coach's cycle finish. You've been on this mm-hmm. never-ending yeah. cycle, and now you're finally going to have a third almost year of Herman. So if you can actually get into that next season, that's that advantage that's smart and that Saban have that if you have all 85 as guys that you've recruited and not busted on, you can start to stack that roster from one to 85 with what fits so then you can finally have that luxury of guys that as long as your bust rate's halfway decent in Texas has been unbelievable when you look at this past class with somebody like Herman and what he's got already out of these guys once you get to stack up those classes real quickly you can appear to have that depth that you didn't think you could envision well and to that point uh, Todd Orlando, the reason he has a, a ceiling that's pretty high and he can keep trending that direction you know it's been a while since since I think UConn since he's recruited to his system yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's always been at two play, like two years in, in league. Mm-hmm. Like, Utah State and was Florida International, I think F-I-U, it was, and then yeah. U of H. Had so to be a MacGyver two years. Out. So now you actually will have – this will be his chance next year to have guys that he's recruited specifically to that system. And I don't think Tarlando did as good a job as Tom Herman did this year of, you know, molding the system around personnel. Like I said, you can't be with the one you love, love the one you're with. I think he was a little more stubborn, like, no, this is my system. This is what I'm going to run. Uh, but I think that'll pay off for him once he gets DeMarvion Overshones in there and, you know, he gets guys that he recruited in there that to play specific roles within that defense. I think it'll help him out, especially those young to, those young to your point, To your point, Rod, like, you look, you look at Charles Amina, whose numbers, nine and a half sacks, 16 tackles for loss. 
Can you imagine what his production would have been if he'd have been playing a wider shade all year? He gets 15 sacks. Yeah. In the Big 12? Yeah. They're throwing the ball every time? He gets 15 sacks playing wide. So I agree with you on that, yeah. He's probably up for the Benaric Award and all those Defensive Player of the Year awards. Even look at the Brecken Hager thing. And I talked to, you know, I talked to Brecken Hager's dad about it. It's, you know, he's playing out of position. I mean, we all know when Brecken Hager was brought in, he was a hybrid outside linebacker that was going to be situational and be a rush guy that can, you know, rush the passer and get in the backfield and and make plays. And now he's basically playing a a tight DN. He's playing a four-eye. That is, dude, that's that's brutal on somebody Mm. who was already undersized for even for the outside linebacker role that he was playing, because he was kind of a hybrid guy, and yeah, I, I, so to that point, I think Tyler Orlando's been a little stubborn, but I think he understands this system will work if I have the right pieces, and he saw it last year. So there is evidence of it. I think now he's gonna re, he's gonna recruit those pieces specifically, and honestly, you could argue it'll be tailor made, more customized. Well, and if you look at also what he was sort of stuck with this year and the time being on the way there to have these young players understanding what their roles are and yeah. having guys develop and then even testing them out at multiple spots, seeing what they're comfortable or when they're uncomfortable, how do they perform there? And sometimes those things, they, you know, they're going to hurt you in the short term, but long term can actually make you a better player. I gotta go tra- I'm going to track that. I might go watch because i got no life and see how many times Charles Mann, who was wide and how many of his sacks came from him being wide. And well, I know against K State, two of them were. Him being tacked. Yeah, so I'm saying, like, I just, because I, I remember him, I think in a Baylor game, they did put line him yeah. up wide, and he, saw, he was a monster for, like, those four plays that he did. So I wonder. Those two back to back plays in K State when they're backed yeah. up against the goal line, he was wide, yeah. and he got sex I want to get into the three man front discussion real quick, because uh, I meant I referenced that story that I wrote on the site talking about Great story. the line of scrimmage and recruiting and all that. And I mentioned, uh, you know, in the Big 12. Your defenses are built for speed. They're built to stop spread offenses, so you're going to have lighter fronts. Texas, uh, Texas, uh, Iowa State, West Virginia are the three uh, defenses in the league that base out of a three-down front. And I got a question in the thread, and we'll go ahead and address it here. It says, how do you reconcile your argument about Texas being disadvantaged to teams from the southeast because of having to use three-man fronts on defense uh, When you're with your earlier observation that Kirby Smart himself uses a three-man front? Here's the difference. Texas has to build their three-man front with their personnel they had to build it for speed. So you've got, you know, lighter guys, Brecken Hager yeah. at two fifty five, yep. Charles Amenahu at two seventy five playing uh, playing that th- that four eye position. Georgia Georgia's got five guys, all 280-plus, that they rotate at those three positions. Girth, man. Yes. They're big. <laughs> and big not only are they big, Rod, they're big and, and they're fast. athletic. Yeah, yeah, they're NFL dudes. You know, Kirby Smart's yep. transformed his three-man Clemson front to where Bama, exactly. you know, he, guys like when he had Tank Cody at Mount Cody at Alabama, man. that Don't that guy's that guy's going your 370-pound nose tackle. He, he, he ain't really got a place in college football anymore. No, he don't. It's true. Good point. You know, even a guy like Keandre Coburn, when he gets to campus, they're like, son, we need you to be about 325, Slim you down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll give yeah. you on that. Just to, in the Big 12. Otherwise, you're not going to be effective. Uh, and I, I think yeah, I think even for these SEC teams, when they get ready to face uh, a Clemson or, or an Oklahoma or somebody like that in the playoff, you can't have those a whole bunch of 320-plus pound guys on your defensive line. You've got to have – you know, your 280, mm-hmm. 285 type guys. That's what Georgia has. So Georgia has size plus athleticism. Texas has the athleticism. The the upside for Texas is you're hoping the Daniel Carsons and the Moro Ojimos and guys like Mike Williams, mm-hmm. Taquan Graham, Tavondre Sweat, the guys you're recruiting, you're hoping that those guys end up giving you what a program like Georgia's got right now. Yeah, I was hanging out with Sergio Kendall last night, as a matter of fact. <laughs> oh. Basically, that's what you want. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? You need like Sergio Kendall's on your front. Like that should be like your standard kind of rush DN now. You can find that guy. Still. Yeah. How's he, he doing, by the way? He's doing great. He's actually uh, thinking about getting into coaching. Said he's uh, been talking to the Texas staff, so he's trying to get on. I think as a grad assistant GA. Okay. So nice. Sergio Kendall's doing really well, man. Doing really That's well. That's cool. I yeah, was man. at a. I was just real quick. I was at a celebrity event, uh, bowling one of those NFL oh, yeah, bowling yeah. deals. Yeah. And it's so weird that I'm I'm looking at like the guy Sharon Lanes and uh, I look down at Sharon Lane with Sergio Kendall and Cedric Benson. <laughs> nice. And I was like, man, I was like, I don't know if this is just like the kid in it's me. So fitting. Like, Were y'all like I'm around the same age as both those guys, but yeah. I'm like, man, it's like two freaking legends. Two like, freaking legends. Hey, no doubt about bowling, it. Sharing a random bowling alley. And it's yeah. random, but v- there's something about Texas event. football awesome. and bowling that Texas. I've ran into Texas football players at bowling yeah, alleys. It's it's an odd it occurrence. Uh, I, don't, I think they used to go bowling like when we were playing. Mm-hmm. I never. I wasn't my thing, but I think no. the guys would go bowling like that was one of the i had a cousin things. that lived in pflugerville and we'd go bowling up at, with my cousin and there would always be texas football players. yeah i think they do it i don't know what the, Two of the greatest high school football players ever in uh, the state the state's no question cedric benson well, sorry, i didn't even go know. ahead matt sorry i, yeah, sorry. I didn't oh, know Sergio no. was from la though he's from like cali and then moved to yeah. dallas for high school yeah he like moved here yeah, yeah i think yeah <laughs> when he was a kid anyway that sorry, makes man. sense but we're talking about the athleticism and on the d-line talking about the difference from what you used to almost have to have size as a necessity to be at the mm-hmm. d-line first now it's got to the point that when you have these spread run attacks these wide splits and then just your ability that these spread teams like to run size isn't because it's athleticism you have to be athletic enough yep. to not be ran off the field because they're just going to run you left and right left and right and those guys coming out of their sense are going to be winded and done in a second so it's weird you see those huge guys but you have to be athletic first before and then you get the biggest guys that are great athletes no to it do is it's why your d tackles are perfect yeah, yeah it's why no there's some d tackles that are big like fletcher cox is huge you know what i mean but they, athletic still, but he's athletic that's why your D tackles now can be bigger. I mean, sorry, smaller in the NFL mm-hmm. than they used to be. Aaron Donald's like small. That's why Puna it's can insane. start in the NFL now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because they put you in space. If I can just penetrate and get, you know, and get beyond the line of scrimmage, I'll get in the backfield and wreak havoc. That's what Puna does. Yeah, and they used he to call disrupts them every damn play. Fat guys on the line, and nowadays I laugh every time I hear that. It's like because yeah. you don't you know what you're watching. Those guys with their shirts off. The dudes they got a are bit leaner of a belly, than they're lean as hell, man. Eighty-five percent of them don't even have a belly. Go, Aaron nowadays. Donald doesn't even really have a belly. It's no. freaky, man. Yeah, JJ, watch your clownies. Like those dudes are ripped. Yeah, agree. It's, it's the same though, Rod, with with offensive lines too. Like the days of yeah of like the Nate Newtons and the the three hundred forty pound Agreed. Dallas Cowboys offensive line. Those days are done. Yeah, Tron Smith, because now because the counterpunch yep. is well, hell, we got to match athlete for athlete. That's why in in the when you watch the draft now, man, guards and centers are valued more than they've ever been valued. It's true. In terms of spinning high. Like, think about Quentin Nelson being the sixth pick. What the hell would you ever see a guard taking that high? I mean, it was worth it. He's, yeah, get out he's and a run. beast. Exactly, though. But the Colts, man. Zach Morton, with Zach Morton and Travis Frederick yeah. for the Cowboys. But, like, true. that's that's the premium now as football shifts. I know we look on the outside, but, man, you look at, well, the, you're line right. of, you look at the line of scrimmage, just the athleticism. You're just matching. The it's a chess match because yeah. you're right. The D tackles are getting more and more like Aaron Donald's. Well, hell, I need a guard that actually can pass block and I can't have a 340-pound slug that can't move. I can't do it. You're yeah. a liability. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, Levon totally Kirkland's agree. at linebacker. <laughs> no, it's it is it, it's the truth. It's these, it, the football is is becoming more streamlined. But as you pointed out so astutely, uh, time after time, and even brought up in the article, 
you know, that's still going to take some time to proliferate all throughout college football. It's happening because the, N- only certain the NFL is yeah, do that. If the NFL is picking up the uh, the Big Twelve culture, it's it's only a matter of time before uh, Cliff Kingsbury and Mike Leach take it over with the Pac twelve, and then somebody's going to go to the SEC and do it. Already got take it. time, right? It's going to happen, right? Josh Heupel was there in Missouri, and then he left, and I think now they don't really have an air raid coach there. My point being this. Uh, it still takes a different formula to win the Big 12, as you pointed out, than it takes to win what is now the college football playoff. Right. And that's the problem that Texas has right now. How do you basically get to the point where you can win the Big 12 in the most prolific offensive conference in the history of college football, but also be able to get into a phone booth with Alabama <laughs> and get into a fist fight with them and beat get, them down? Like, you need a Baker you, or a Kyler or a Manziel to start, and then the rest fill the rest of the roster. Well, you basically have to evolve. You have to uh, revolutionize recruiting. Hmm? You got to go. Do not, you know what I mean? Like you have to try yeah. to revolutionize the way you recruit your athletes. Although they, yes, they have to be the athletes that can work in space in this conference and and defend in this conference. They must also be able to translate speed to power. <laughs> and then be able to go get in a fist fight with Alabama like that. That's 2005 Texas. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's not, that ain't even – it may be – I don't even know 08 Texas could do it that well. I think they could do it better than 09 Texas could. 08 you're, for you're talking sure. about 05 Texas. And even 05 Texas, I don't even know if they have – like, who are the wide receivers for 05 Texas? Are they that prolific? No. Lima Sweet. Brian you know, Carter. Lima Sweet, I'll say. He was. He was second-round pick in the, dr- in the draft. Cosby. Okay, there you go. As so, a well, freshman. They, so, so, they, so they didn't highlight Billy those Pittman. guys because they didn't need them. They had, you know – David they, Thomas was your – All you needed was a basketball was Ramon's Taylor and – Jamal, <laughs> Jamal Charles. Charles. And but think about that. Think yeah. about the speed. Exactly. So you didn't need that. And at that time, Ramon's Taylor got moved out to wide receiver. Him and Brian Carter were just fast because you just and needed something to stretch the Billy field. Pittman. Yeah, so basically what I'm getting to it, I just yeah, think that's, that's what, what Texas that is ultimately trying to get back to because that's the last team that I think that could probably today go blow for blow with mm-hmm. the Big 12 and score with them, but then also be able to go toe-to-toe with the SEC and beat any SEC team well, and that's why in, Urban, in, a, in a fist fight, I in an SEC-style game. Urban's 08 teams with, you know, you had your Hernandez and you know, Tebow yep, no, and exactly. Percy and then the defense with your Dunlaps and, you know, on the back I mean, end, your crazy Reggie Nelson. That's what you're talking Hill. about here. I think if you, if you want to look at the programs, Rod, to me, that are – and I'll put Clemson in a different 2014 Ohio State did Ohio it against State Bama. You look at Clemson's that line of scrimmage talent, and, and they can go blow for blow with, with, with Alabama, Georgia, yeah. anybody in the country. The two programs to me that are closest to getting to that point where you can you can win a track meet and you can win a slugfest mm-hmm. is Ohio State and Oklahoma. Ohio State, no Now, question. Ohio State, we saw even against TCU where they're like, okay, we need to slow down because yeah. we might get we might get in a, a – a seventy to but sixty that's game, a first to Ohio State roster. No, no worries. Uh, I agree with you on that. You know, and, and Oklahoma, as we've seen, Oklahoma can win the track meet, and, and their offensive line is yeah, really good. Still like three guys that's going to play in the NFL. But line. defensively is where they're they're still trying they're to lacking. figure out they, what, what they, they don't want have to elite personnel on defense, and yeah, you will get lit up by an SEC team. But your offense is as good as anybody's in the country. Right. Yeah, because if you keep scoring, so they're not balanced enough to, in my opinion. Well, we'll see. <laughs> you know yeah. I keep saying that. That's maybe what, you don't need balance, as, as you no, pointed out, Jeff. When you're that damn good at one side of the ball, maybe balance is overrated. That's maybe whenever we'll Bob Stoop said, Lincoln Riley, come in and take over. This yeah. is crazy. Yeah. And every, like, that's very- every, <laughs> every, every team he's played quarterback for, if the guy wearing number one's got the ball in his hands with a chance to win, it's hard for me to bet against him, yeah. man. Hey, man, we've always seen that the one uh, kryptonite for saving Superman formula is transcendent quarterbacks 
and now he's officially transcended because he won the Heisman. So Kyler Murray is up mm-hmm. there with Tim Tebow and Cam Newton and Deshaun Watson and Johnny Manziel and all those quarterbacks we've seen go, holy hell, this guy's going to beat Bama. Yeah. He can do it. And that's what I mean, he do it is a different question. We cited <laughs> it last week, but when you look at just the most advanced metrics of the best offenses of all time, I mean, there was 05 Texas was always sort of the one that set mm-hmm. the record. But then since then, you've had certain ones where like the two Baker OU offenses, your Cam and your Manziel were the top four. If you go back since Texas in 05, those were the highest rated ones. And Kyler Murray blew it out of the water. But what all those teams, what they do? Beat Bama. You know, and, except for Baker did it. And I think Texas right now is a step behind where OU. Oklahoma is and where Ohio State is because Texas is still yeah they're still recruiting personnel but the style of play Rod that Tom Herman likes mm-hmm. lends itself to when you get into a game against an SEC opponent yeah that from a, a mindset standpoint that's not foreign to you having to go win a game in a phone booth agree you're you're prepared for that so it's a process this program is taking and we mentioned Kyler Murray and that's where I want to end the show which is now we all agree, like the house is in order. Like Tom Herman's, you know, Charlie Strong cleaned up a lot from Mac Brown, but there was a lot that needed to be fixed from Charlie Strong's tenure. Tom Herman's gotten a lot of that fixed, and he's on the right track to getting this program back to where everybody wants it on a yearly basis. And now I think you can put this where it was for Mac Brown at the end. You can put this back at the top of the list of things to do. Ending the Oklahoma reign of terror in this conference now becomes something that, okay. We can look at this now and we can deal with this. Because for the last few years, Texas hasn't been in a position where you really can't worry about Oklahoma. you got to worry about getting your own house in order. you got to worry about competing. you got to worry about winning football games. And oddly, somehow you started to play well against Oklahoma during that. Yeah, but now that, <laughs> you've, now that you've had success against Oklahoma, you're the one team this year that's beat them going into the playoff. I think now you can start looking right at just the run of dominance Oklahoma's yeah. had over this conference. You Amazing. Four Big 12 titles in a row. That's more Big 12 titles than Texas has in the history of the conference. It's amazing. Heisman winner each of the last two years. Come that's on, how man. many Heisman winners Texas has in the history of the program. I mean, it's yeah. it it sucks. That we're, we're a Texas podcast and Texas fans are listening to this, but yeah. Got to talk about it. It's the your num- rival. The numbers don't lie. It's your rival. Numbers don't lie. Yeah. And now that becomes to me, especially given what happened in the Big 12 championship game, that to me becomes, all right, Tom Herman's got it back to the point where if you want to have the discussion, is Texas back? They're back to me in the sense of, okay, now the Oklahoma game, it's always the most important game on the schedule, but this really determines whether you're playing for a conference championship, whether you're in that discussion, or whether you're just kind of carrying on the rest of the year. To your point about Texas getting their house in order, I totally agree with you. I think now – is Texas back? No, but they are back to being the best college football program in the state of Texas. And it's been a while since we could say that. They yeah. didn't win the state title because they had to win all your games in the state to do that. But they are back to being the best college football program in the state. And I want to say you, had, you ain't been to say that since 2009. Well, and that was the <laughs> whole cliche that, that Mac had yeah. that you had to win the conference yeah. first. And right now, if you can win the conference, win the state, so, that's where you start. Um, so getting, so I, I totally agree with that. But the I think the Oklahoma thing is good for Tom Herman. And I know we're running out of time, so I'll make it quick. I think it's good for Tom Herman. The truth is, and I've always said this, Batman needs a Joker. Otherwise, he never turns into the Dark Knight. And the truth is, Mac Brown is never a Hall of Famer unless Bob freaking Stoops mm-hmm. is the rival at Oklahoma and wins a national title in his second year and goes, oh, yeah, I heard y'all got a new coach down there who's winning nine games and uh, he's recruiting really well. I just want a national title, so go suck on it, Texas. And that's what, what Lincoln like, Riley's doing right now. And all the Texas right fans now. are like, well, damn, Mac, you're good, but can you go win us a national title? And then Mac 
puts it into overdrive. He starts, you know, making coaching changes and doing this, and he starts he starts feeling the pressure, and it's an appropriate amount of pressure. And people forget that AM won the Big 12 in mm-hmm. 98, in Max's first year. Mm-hmm. And then two years later, like, your your other rival wins a national title. It puts so much pressure on Mac, but it made Mac better. It brought the best in Mac. So I'm hoping that Tom Herman is going to bring out the best in him. This is going to turn him into the dark knight. He may end up making some coaching changes. He may end up, you know, desperation and a little some of his moves, but you're right. You cannot allow that shadow now that Oklahoma has cast over the Big 12 to continue. You got to find some way to rectify it. So I, 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 I think it's a good thing for Texas. Though. It's good. That pressure mm-hmm. is good, man. Otherwise, where's the pressure? You get what's comfortable. The, what's, the, what's the incentive to improve? Exactly. Mm-hmm. I need you. I need you. I need you losing sleep, Tom Herman. Mm-hmm. I need you losing sleep over the fact that they got another Heisman Trophy winner, a transfer at that. They ain't even recruit. They got a transfer. They won. They won twelve Big Twelve titles with what eight different quarterbacks? Is that, did I get the number right? I think so. Yeah. What the hell? We trying to look for our one quarterback. I need you to have to lose sleep over that time. And, I mean, and I'm sure he here's, is. Here's how I got to this real quick. Here's how I got to this. I was listening. You guys know I'm a big fan of the ticket in Dallas, and I'm listening to that. And Mike Soroy is one of the guys on their their midday show, and he's a, he's a big Miami Dolphins fan. You know, Miami had the, the Hail Mary. Oh, the, yeah. The hook and ladder play to beat yeah, the Patriots. Yeah, And he's talking about, like, the, the Patriots winning, what is it, 10 AFC oh, East God. titles in a row? Someone he said, imagine pretty much every year of your adult life seeing your biggest rival win the division. And mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a Texas fan watching Oklahoma. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Damn near every year of your adult life for since the year 2000, pretty much more often than not, you've seen Oklahoma win this conference. With a different starting quarterback. How, how many Heisman Trophy winners have they had since in that time? Three? No, yeah. Four. Four. <laughs> Jason, White, Jason White, Sam Bradford, <laughs> Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray. Think about that. You're like, what the hell? So, since 2003, I, they've had four. Four of them. Mm-hmm. Four. Yeah, so that's, I'm really, I think it's good. It's good because Texas can't get comfortable. We won't allow Texas to get comfortable. Yeah. And also, Lincoln Rock end up going to the NFL because his resume right now is can stack up against any young, you know, play calling quarterback. But we're if if you want to talk about coach. back or whatever that means, you're back to this point where all right, yeah. we know that game is the most important game on schedule mm-hmm. every year. But now it's back to all right, this is going to be the one that decides the conference. Yeah, uh, and your identity is wrapped up in this rivalry. Yeah, yep. no question about it. And so I think it's good. It's good for Texas. Longhorn fans don't want to hear it, but it's good for Texas. All right. We wanted to take kind of a 30,000-foot view of the season oh, and, and the where the program is this week. Next week, we'll start getting into the Sugar Bowl. And then uh, so that our normal show will drop on Tuesdays, but Christmas Day falls on a Tuesday. So no show that day, but between Christmas Day and... And the Sugar Bowl, yep. we will have a Sugar Bowl preview where we really dig into Texas Ooh. and Georgia. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Always fun, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 104.9, 101 on AM 1260, streaming on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B. each and every weekday on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. And thanks to Matt, you get this show anywhere you get your podcasts and always get our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.